because I know that LGBTQ issues are a part of every single issue, no matter what we're talking about. Nobody is free until everybody is free. The stories of our neighbors are important. They show that they were alive. It won't be tolerance. It'll just be normal. I just hope to give that to her. And in the meantime, in the process of doing my job, I hope I can spread a little, you know, goodness and justice. So yeah, we have an yeah. excellent episode today. We have a couple of people in the studio. Yeah, uh, we have our interviewer, Vernus, taking the lead and having some great conversations. So we have these really two great Black queer women on this episode, and I'm actually really excited about it. One is Fran Watson, who is a really great, amazing activist in the Houston community. And then we have this trailblazing judge named Shannon Baldwin that I actually didn't know too much about her, but then I listened to the episodes like, like, wow, like I lived in Houston and I didn't even really know who she was, but I'm just really excited for everyone to like really listen to these women. Like this episode is really going to focus on obviously Women's History Month, but really we want to give them a chance to talk about themselves and their work and why they do the work that they do. And yeah. we also have Vernus McFarlane, who is the CEO and executive director of the Mahogany Project. And I think everyone should really check out that organization. It's based out of Houston and Vernus does talk a little bit about the work with that project and it's just it's just a really amazing interview and I'm and I'm just really really excited for everyone to take a listen. All right ladies and gentlemen we are here with Shannon Baldwin and Fran Watson. And I've been so excited, so anxious, and a little bit nervous. But we're here, people, and this is happening. And so I just want to give Fran a little moment to tell us a little bit about herself and who she is and Judge Bowen as well. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me here today. This is such a cool like space and and knowing about beer queer and just really watching how this um this magazine has grown and now we're on here talking about um queer history queer black women um and so i'm just thankful to be here a little bit about me i am a lawyer in private practice i am also uh, one of the associate judges for the city of houston so i take care of traffic tickets and things like that and and down at the court but Really, I'm just so grateful um, to have gotten to this spot because I know that it's all about um, community, right? I mean, uh, being part of the LGBTQ community, having that support, having the support of my wife, Kim, um, who's really helped to get me to where I am. Because, as you know, I've told my story before that I've kind of taken a non-traditional path to get where I am. And so knowing that whatever is going on, um, whether it's working in the courtrooms, whether it's out on the front lines, um, uh, whether it's marching, whether it's speaking at, at the, uh, the Texas legislature or speaking in front of city council, it's really about um, knowing that there's a community support behind you and a community that kind of lifts each other up. Um, so really, I guess the short of it, I'm a lawyer 
and um, uh, and a community advocate and, and a part-time judge. Oh, and a woman in history as well. <laughs> we cannot forget. That's why we're here. We're here to talk about Women's History Month, and you are most definitely a woman in history. Making history now, living history. You are that. Well, I thank you for that. No problem. Anytime. Anytime. So, Judge Baldwin, you know, you are such an amazing individual. And as personally, I think so highly of you um, coming to know you, your work, your legacy, seeing you on Facebook, hosting your little nephew. And even as a prior grand marshal last year, and I know, Fran, you've been a prior grand marshal as well. Yes. Talking about that women in history thing again right there. Uh, but just, you know, those things, I think those are so amazing. And I'm glad to have you with us today. And I know you was telling us a little bit about yourself and your um, experience in college and obtaining your law degree as well. What made you um, as an individual decide to run as a part of Black Girl Magic? Um, I don't know. That, first of all, thanks for having me um, and for doing all that you're doing to get me to be able to take part in this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I can tell you this, this it wasn't an, 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 a big decision to say I was going to be a part of Black Girl Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened, uh, and, and all 19 of us like to say, by divine intervention. We showed up. It happened to be 19 African-American women in the room saying that we were going to run for judge. And um, that created itself. And I would have just been, you know, stupid not to uh, want to participate in something like that. And it turned out to me to be an amazing ride. It is still an amazing ride, um, honestly. And I, I, I am still in awe at the things that happen to me, around me, and the doors that have opened and the number of people I've been able to reach and help just based on uh, being a part of that movement ultimately is what it became you know um shannon i remember the very first time um i met you we were at university of houston and there was a town hall meeting going on with the mayor and some of his advisory board i didn't know who you were i remember you probably said probably like two rows in front of me on the right hand side and for Uh some odd reason i could not take my eye off of you i had in my mind, I would say I have no idea who this woman is. I have no idea what she's about, but I got to meet her. And I remember oh. you leaving the room before I had the opportunity to meet you and me like literally trying to chase you down, like getting to the parking garage to try to meet you um, and having the opportunity to meet you before um, we departed that event. And since meeting you, I, I, I want you to know that I love you. I adore you. I look at you at like the cool aunt that shows up to the cookout who she always come a little bit late, but she she's still a little early because she right on time. The food ain't ready. She brings amazing <laughs> gifts. She's always going to be dressed to the nine and the laughter and the party is just going to come with her. And that's how I've always viewed you um, from the moment that I laid eyes on you and not even knowing who you were. And And I just thank you for that, because even knowing you, we don't always come in contact with each other. But when I do come in contact with you, it's not like it's like no time has passed. You're always genuine. You're always nice. You're a beautiful person. 
You always have something nice to say. You're smiling. And I, and I just love that. Friend, too. I remember the first time I met you. We was at the Montreux Center in room 107. And, and you would mess with me for like a long time after this. You would always say, yeah, with that hair number three. With that hair number three. And I just, and I knew when I would see you, I could count on that. And that was our immediate connection to one one another. We didn't know much about each other, but it goes back to that thing that I was just saying a moment ago about community and how we were able to sit in a room with each other, be in community, enjoy one another, and leave out of there with new connections and new friendships. And and, and here we are today, right? Um, And I just think that is so amazing. You guys are some ladies, and not oftentimes when we come in contact with people in the community, that they are so accepting and loving and nurturing and just all around beautiful people and meeting you ladies that's what was my first takeaway from both of y'all and I just appreciate that and I know this wasn't supposed to be about me it was supposed to be about women's history month so let's get into that (laughs) so friend you graduated from Thurgood Marshall School of Law yes um, and please, I, I know a little bit about your backstory, but at any moment, if I get it wrong, please correct me. Um, but I remember you saying that um, early at an early age, you kind of dropped out of high school. You went back and got your GED. You went to Texas Southern University, end up going there and getting your law degree. Um, you went to the University of Houston as well. Um, I'm not sure. What did you obtain? When you- yeah. So, <laughs> no, I was a, I was actually expelled from high school. <laughs> no, I was expelled from high school for having too many absences. But my mother had died. And so I was taking care of my brother and things would happen. And so I would miss school. But then I was told at 16 that the state of Texas was no longer responsible for me. And so I was uh, expelled. But then six, six years later, uh, I went to take my GED exam and then the test coordinator said my scores um, would qualify me for a scholarship. And then she took me over to the registration desk and I ended up sitting in my introduction to psychology class and then graduating four and a half years later with a degree in psychology from UHD. And then I went on to Thurgood Marshall School of Law. I, I love Thurgood Marshall School of Law. I do a lot of work. Uh, with some of the individuals who um, currently go there and some of them who have uh, graduated from there um, within like last two to three years. Um, And so I love um, the opportunity that it provides for a lot of minority um, individuals who have the opportunity to um, dedicate their life to um, justice in the forms of social justice, political justice, criminal justice, um, I think that is such um, an amazing thing and something that is in, needed in the area that we're living in now. Um, but particularly for you, I oftentimes hear Fran Watson and Barbara Jordan. Fran Watson and Barbara Jordan. And I know Barbara Jordan herself um, was a graduate of Texas Southern University. Um, Barbara jo- Jordan also run, ran for office which was something that you did as well. So falling in, keeping up with that and knowing that Fran Watson (laughs) has been constantly compared to Barbara Jordan. Can you see that? And how does it feel um, to be compared to someone like that? For so many people, you are our Barbara Jordan. You are a walking embodiment of Barbara Jordan. We can see you. You're, You're 
You are here. Your presence is noticed. Your advocacy is enormous and it's appreciated. How does that feel? You know, when I do the work that I do, it's always just thinking about um, access. It's always going to be about access for me because I know what it feels like to slip through the cracks. And so for me, I when I first heard someone, you know, compare me to Barbara Jordan to me, I just didn't. For me, it was so um, overwhelming because. This work is so is is long and it takes so many of us. And for me, this is just my, you know, I try to be an opportunity to give back because I know that so much has been given to me. Um, I will always be thankful for Thurgood Marshall School of Law because they took a GED recipient and and, and, and accepted me into this law school. Um, I will always be uh, trying to use what I can, the knowledge I have, the little bit that I have. For me, it's just a little piece of all the work that's being done in this great um, world. And yet to be compared to such a phenomenon, it it is, like I said, it is overwhelming. And I hope that I can make people proud because from whatever I'm doing, whether it's sitting on that municipal court, whether it's defending um, someone, whether it's working on a guardianship, if I can just make the people proud, that's, that's what I would want to do. And so I know that I am always proud of Barbara Jordan. I am in awe of Barbara Jordan. And um, I, what she stood for is a pillar that, you know, I stand for. And so I just hope that I, you know, can just do an ounce of the work that she's done um, to me that 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 would be so amazing for me. I think you're doing that and then some. And then when we say when, when we say, friend, you are our Barbara Jordan. Do you do you see it? Do you receive it? It's you know, it's difficult. I mean, I, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing. Right. right. And so um, it, it, it can be difficult to to receive that because, you know, I, I want to make sure that that I I know that the gifts were given to me. And so I know that, you know, I, I, I recognize favor and I never want to take that for granted. And so um, for me, I try to stay as humble as possible without sitting going, oh, I'm humble. But, you know, <laughs> but I, I try to it's hard for me to kind of receive these things. And so, you know, I like I said, I'm grateful. I'm overwhelmed by it. and I always just hope that I can continue to, uh, you know, do this work. And but I do. I receive what the community has given to me with that. But I know that, you know, that I also want to be responsible and not ever take anything in honor or, um, you know, what the community has given me. I never want to take it for granted. I, and I totally understand that. I, I totally get what you're saying, but we just want you to know that we appreciate you. And when we talk about women, uh, when we talk about women history, man, you and Shannon are both walk embodiments of, of history right now. And with that being said, Shannon, um, I know that you, if I'm not mistaken, did you graduate from Texas Southern as well um, from Third Grade Marshall School of Law? No, no. I graduated from John Marshall Law School in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Come through Atlanta. You, you know, Atlanta always sits well in our heart. You know, I love Atlanta. Um, Sh- Shannon. Yeah. So with you, I think it's so amazing. I read the articles about prison reform and all of the work that you ladies are doing um, as a part of the new movement that is sweeping through Houston and Harris County um, in creating change. 
um, what was for you um, was an instrumental part of knowing that we have to do something or I have to do something with the privilege that has been bestowed upon me to create change in the community? Well, you know, we all ran on bail reform and criminal justice reform. So I knew going in um, that that was going to be an important issue. Uh, and and that those were things that stood out just in my, my daily practice as a defense attorney, um, the difficulties that we had uh, at that time entering into the courts and just trying to do a good job for your client even though you're facing more than just uh, your your natural opponent. Um, so I, I knew that, there, that that would be a beginning a, a huge a huge thing that I want to tackle. Um, I also forgive me, sorry, excuse me. I also um, I also sorry, I have a two year old with me. That's okay. She's part of women's history too. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know what? She re- she basically ran with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, she ran with me. So she yeah, she really is a part of this for sure. But um, yeah, I I had some things happen as a defense attorney towards the end there where it was just it really had to be a matter of I have I have nothing else left here. I've done everything I can do as a criminal defense attorney and I needed to see change. And the only person that was going to change it, at least for me, was me. You know, and, and if, if you know the climate around running for a political office, particularly in the criminal courthouse, that's a quiet climate. No one would want to stand up and talk about it. So it wasn't like I could look to anyone else for help. I just had to take a chance on it and um, and see if I could, you know, do what I thought I could do. And, it, you know, I'm just blessed at this point that it worked out. And I think that's so amazing. And you guys are really doing a lot of amazing work that's not only just needed here in Houston and in Harris County, but it's needed, you know, around Texas and throughout America, you know, prison reform and jail reform, cash bail reform, all of those things are instrumental um, and they're very much so needed. And so also going talking to about you, Shannon, a little birdie told me um, that you received an award, I think like a week ago or maybe two weeks uh, ago as a rising star. I got, I got notice on it. I haven't received it yet, but the rising star award from the Texas Democratic Women's Association. Um, I'm very proud of that. Um, that's coming up, but also, also, if I can brag a little bit. You better plug. Um, Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, get, get the little plug in. Um, so the Victory Fund is going to give me the Anise Parker Award. Ooh. And that, I know, right? I, I All both of them, first off, I keep saying, you know, make sure you got the right person and you, you know it's me. <laughs> That's gonna show up. <laughs> um, we don't want no jokes when we get there. Right, I still feel a little regular, right? Right. Um, I still feel just kind of regular, and so when people say we're going to to award you with something and and give you something, and for I guess recognition of your work, it it, it doesn't seem um, it doesn't seem like that's my reality. Um, but it is, and, and you like deserve it. it. 
Well, and, and, and I see that I, I see that other people do. So I make sure that I receive it. I want to make sure I'm gracious. And, and much like what Fran said, you know, you don't want to take any of that for granted. Um, I want to be, you know, grateful and thankful for all of that opportunity. But again, I get it. You know, I, um, I have a responsibility. Um, I'm going to make sure I maintain that responsibility, but that's, that, I don't know how award-worthy it is, but I'm not going to say no. I'm going to show up and thank everybody for it. You everybody. better get up there. <laughs> Listen, though, maybe I'll come looking for you now. I'm going to be right there clapping on the front row. <laughs> come on, Judge. <laughs> well, I, I'm so excited about all of it. You know, again, like I said, I, I don't know how, how worthy I am, but if it helps to shine a light, I think if it helps other organizations to to recognize women, to recognize black women, to recognize LGBTQIA women, mm. please, by all means, um, you know, let me get up there and and then hopefully make everybody proud, like you said, friend, you know? Oh, look. And see, I want to share something with you, ladies, because I had a hard time with this myself. Um, and one of my favorite songs is by a group called Tank and the Bangers out of New Orleans. Um, and in that song, Tank, who is the lead singer, who happens to be a poet um, and a black woman. Since we're talking about women in history, that's my boo. I love her. Uh, she said, um, sometimes she's a star that forget to pay her light bill. <laughs> and I had to I had to rewind it a couple times because that sat with me in a way that we all as community leaders, we always get this recognition. We always get this, this breath, breath of fresh air breathed into us. We always get held in a high regard. But when people talk to us about us and what we accomplish, we are so quick to dismiss it or to try to remain level-headed or not to gloat or to feel bigger than. But we have to remember we are stars and we have to remember at all costs we need to shine bright. We have to pay our light bill because somebody is looking up at us and looking for us for guidance and to lead them in the right direction. And so I just wanted to share that with you, ladies, that you're a star. It's time that you start paying your light bill. I receive it as well. Okay. All right. Come on, Reliant. I'm going to pay you. seriously want to offer that to y'all because I, I struggle with that as a person as well. And I know that's because we aren't people who got in this to be held in a, in a high regard or to be looked at it with such a, a privileged lens. We got into this for the work, for the people, for the community to not only make better places for us, but for, like you said, your kids, the people who come after us our neighbors, people in other communities that we do not exist in, the intersections that we do exist in, it's about making the world a better place for all of us. And it's just time that we start paying our light bill. Well, I know that, um, you know, with uh, Judge Baldwin, it's it's key, with, especially when it comes to criminal justice reform, when it comes to the criminal justice system, because you can look at all of these different issues. And um, if if we know that a person's life can be hindered or helped depending on who they're in front of in that courtroom. And so knowing that we have um, a judge that I, when I was running for office, you know, I ran beside Shannon, you know, folks. And so I saw people, you know, we all saw each other on the campaign right. trail. 
And one thing that never changed, she always said, you know, I, I always heard compassion, compassion and you know, that she's a defense lawyer, knows the law, so knows how to apply the law, but also knows how to apply the law with compassion. And so that's this is what um, we're doing, you know, and so this mm-hmm. is what she's doing. So I'm I'm proud to know that there is th- the issues that are being worked on, that we have leaders in these various um, spaces. And it's so instrumental. And when we're talking about leaders and having them in the right places, who are women in history? And I like to stay local because we live here and it's it's best that we know the people that that's around us so that we know how we can move through community a little bit better and a little easier. Who are women in history that you guys look to um, for guidance or or just admire or who's someone that we should consider looking to um, in the community? Well, you know, for me, it's always going to be kind of looking at our elders and looking at folks who fight um, for the most vulnerable. And for me, it's always going to be I'm going to look to, you know, Monica Roberts for a long time. I was as an LGBTQ person, I was closeted. Um, I didn't really come out as a lesbian I mean, I was out to certain people, out to folks, but to be fully out, I kind of was had to out myself at a larger scale when I started working on the Equal Rights Ordinance and when we were trying to get local non-discrimination protections uh, here in Houston. And to know that before any of this went down, before anything went down um, with uh, trying to obtain this ordinance, that Monica Roberts and Dee Dee Waters were down there where nobody else was. They were down there speaking about this when they were the only ones speaking. And so I'm going to look to her. Um, I also, again, will look to um, Barbara Jordan because um, her eloquence, her steadfastness, and just what she did at such a large scale, it is always going to be inspiring to me. And like I said, as someone who knows about being slipping through the cracks, trying to fight their way back to get on what we consider a, you know, a successful path. Um, I'm always going to look and, and I, I, I have um, to look at Fannie Lou Hamer because my, uh, when I do this work, people, I try to work on various issues because I know that LGBTQ issues are part of every single issue, no matter what we're talking about. LGBTQIA people, two-spirit folks are going to be part of this. And so, um, when I I operate off of her quote, nobody is free until everybody is free. And so that's that's how I move through these spaces. That's how I move in my activism. That's how I align myself with organizations, with people. If we're not operating on this, then I, I don't know if I can roll. I can't roll with you. So um, these are those are some of the three people, you know, that I look to. What about you, Shannon? Who are some women in history that you look to um, for guidance or someone that we as a community locally should be looking to um, as a rising star? Um, You know what? Little known secret, uh, but she knows this. One of the reasons I ran, I should say one of the reasons I ran, one of the first persons that may have recognized (laughs) that I should run uh, was Fran Watson. And so I, I owe her that. I owe her a debt of gratitude uh, for just having something in her mind that I didn't even have in my own um, at that time. And if she didn't know me at that point, she just kind of, I don't know, maybe heard me talk, saw me walking around or maybe saw some other people that I hung out with 
And next thing you know, she just makes that statement. And I, I imagine we had a conversation or two, Fran, but, um, you know, that was a start for me. And then that made me pay attention to you. And so when people compare you to Barbara Jordan, um, you got to know, listen, it's, it's a true thing. Because I was like, man, if I could just walk in her footsteps, then maybe people are like me too, because she's great. Um, <laughs> I, I'm being facetious, but I mean that, friend. So, friend is somebody that's just on, boots on the ground, and I just admire the work that she's done. Um, historically, now, other women, um, of course, Barbara Jordan, um, but I, coming up from being a criminal defense attorney, I'm a, I'm a litigator, I'm a fighter. And so, uh, Shirley Chisholm speaks to me first, you know, I'm bought in thought. Yes. Um, and you remind me so much of Shirley Chisholm that it is crazy from... <laughs> so funny that you said that because the whole time when I was doing the spill with Shannon about um, Barbara Jordan I wanted to say you, you know Shannon Baldwin and Shirley Sism so bad but I was like maybe she won't get the connection of- <laughs> but I saw I, 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 I see that for you 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 and, and Shirley Sism remind me so much of each other so much Wow, and now that's a compliment <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Definitely a compliment. Huge thing to live up to. Um, but she was amazing, and um, you know she didn't bite her tongue. She just she she was just there to tell the truth, <laughs> and so um, that's what I like about her. That goes back to me saying earlier, you know, you remind me of the cool aunt. This, you know, she show up a little late, but she's still early because the food ain't ready. But she always on time, and you know she ain't gonna. T- <laughs> That's where I get the Shirley Chisholm because she know you know when she showed up to the family function she wouldn't she wasn't taking no bits for nobody. <laughs> True, <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it funny how before we can see things in ourselves that people oftentimes um, project those things or cast those or forecast those things over our lives? I, well, I just think that, that's amazing. That is so true, um, and like I, I, I again, I don't. I, I think I've said this to Fran. I think I've said this to you before, but, um, you know, she said that, and truth be told, you know, you, you planted a seed at that moment. Because, um, again, it, it was not something I saw for myself. But when other people see it in you, you think, oh, well, maybe I can do that. You know, and then another thing happens, and the next thing you know, you know, you put your robe on. I was super excited when you I was so excited when you said I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah, I've been talking to some folks about you. And um, and I do because, you know, I look at because I'm 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 in probate law. So right. litigators, I I love litigators because they go in the courtroom, they're doing this. And so I always try to watch different litigators so that I can kind of see what's happening. And so you were one of the people I saw. Uh, there were a, a few other folks. And then I found out you were part of the community. And I knew that we had, uh, we know how, you know, we knew the rainbow wave happened this time. But yeah. we we know that there was only one um, openly gay person that was in the courts and then it's associate family court judge and so knowing that we could have someone who was a great litigator and also i mean and also being a part of the community being a black lgbtq person just really and knowing knowing your stuff that's the thing like you've been practicing for, for a long time and like you said earlier when you're speaking you had gotten to 
to that point where it's time to do something else, knowing that you can um, do more with your skills and take this to the courtroom. And so um, I just yeah. wanted to wanted to say that. And, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks that are running for office and some folks run for office just to run. And and I knew that you weren't even this. And that's how I knew you weren't even thinking about it. You weren't even thinking about running yeah. for office. And so I knew that you needed to be in that space. You needed that robe on and um, you need to be on that bench. Because we needed a fighter and that and that that was you. And I'll tell a quick story. Uh, we were on the trail and you would have thought this was planted, but it wasn't planted. We're sitting there. We're at some um, we're out looking at a lake somewhere in um, uh, at a park and we're out there at the barbecue and everybody's talking. Yeah. You remember this? Yeah. <laughs> and then we all we all get our minute. That's what you do. You get your minute. You say you, your um, your stump speech. You move on. Yeah. Well, Tina says her stump speech moves on. And then all of a sudden, a gentleman stands up who's sitting there eating the barbecue with us. He was just part of the barbecue, stands up and was able to talk about Shannon's work, was able to talk about how long because he, he'd been knowing her longer than all of us and, and, and knew her practice, how she had come about and was only able to say so many great things, just so many great things about her. And that just goes to show how long she's been out there doing this and how visible Folks are, and we don't even know how visible, but that person who's at this barbecue in Katy, Texas, and then now all of a sudden right. was able to talk about um, uh, Shannon. So this is awesome. Yeah. So I just want to tell that quick story. No, and we oh. need to, t- and that's funny. One of the things that I took as a note before coming was um, the stories of our neighbors are important. They show that they were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of the guy often back of my uh here who who gave me that quote but it was the gentleman who wrote um moonlight and david makes man when um he came down here i took so many notes and that's where all of the stuff that came from community that i said community has been constantly being pushed into my head um but we need each other we do we cannot make it we cannot survive we cannot thrive as a community we cannot end the epidemics that we're facing and the disparities that we're facing without community and i wouldn't be an amazing person who I am without Black women. I have one of the best mentors um, that I could ever ask for in the world. And I have, <laughs> and I've probably been asking her to be my mentor for over 20 years before she was actually became my mentor. I used to message her when my space was still a thing and ask her for advice. This is how long Alanis has been in the community and doing the work of the people and just making moves. And like before testing was as big as it was a thing in the community, Alanis used to invite testers to her house and have people come to her house to get HIV testing. No, I, I, I love Atlantis. Atlantis is an amazing person. And she, when when I heard of her first heard of House of Capri, you know, I was learning about all the different things that happen in our community. You know, our community is very vibrant. I love it. <laughs> and so when I first heard of House of Capri and seeing the work that she was doing, um, I was like, can you come on? Uh, <laughs> I would have her come and talk about these things, come on our show and talk about it because she has so much wisdom. She has so much love. Her heart is huge like it's huge and it just it's like that it doesn't stop giving even when she's tired she still finds that extra ounce of gifting to people and so um she is a blessing to our community and i'm so thankful because even 
uh, a part of the community that I learned about as I, you know, as we know, going through as when I met you, mm-hmm. uh, Vernus, um, that learning about so many areas in our community, so many community members and just different work that's being done. That's what I'm saying. Some of this work that we don't even know about. And so Atlantis is one of those like those heroes that are that that's out here doing this and and so proud to be part of this. You know, all of this. When we talk about women's history, we have some some amazing heroes here. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a petition for them to do an episode of Unsung about her. Mm-hmm. And she ain't even got no music out, but I still deserve think she deserves an episode of Unsung. That's that's what I'm and I want it. But she she has been so instrumental in the community and not only to me, but just so many other trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming people. And just in my life, women of black women uh, have just been so instrumental. Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, my mom didn't like um, the way things were at the elementary school that me and my sister and my cousins went to. My mom went back to Texas Southern, got a degree in special education to go work at the elementary school that me, my sister, and a, and a host of my other cousins went to. And that's how invested my mom was in education and community and things like that. And not only to the point where she just got a degree and just started working there. My mom actually started doing things to make the school better. She got a Girl Scout troop. Um, she would take the girls different places on the weekend and let them come stay at our house and take them all to... To different places. I've been to more places on the train than I have probably been in a car because of my mom. And it was very convenient for her to get girls around like that and to to just expose them to new things. And so, you know, thinking about women in history, I, I think my mom is definitely one of those women. She really made a difference in South Park. And I just think that's amazing. I think that's great. I mean, it just shows a legacy. It shows what people can do. I mean, uh, now Shannon's daughter can see this work that's being done because we have everything that's that the ground that's laid, the groundwork that's laid. Um, some of this stuff will take place after we're gone, but it'll live on. Um, and, and knowing that um, people can create this kind of legacy and show their kids so their kids can grow up, you know, in this. And when we were talking, I was thinking about this one, women's history, how um, January would always bring her kids and how whenever I see parents that bring their kids to these to these activist circles or to these um, protests, to everything, just to see that. And then um, watching how they had always come to these events when it came to that March um, when we were, you know, after after the, the tragedy. Um, in Florida and you saw these kids rise up. These were kids that were coming out of these high schools and, and coming to speak and, and really make a, a demand for change. And a lot of those folks at the Houston March, I was able to see that had been coming with their parents. And so with these mothers, these women, you know, these folks that are coming to bring their kids to show them um, what's going on. And so every um, star, you know, that's like you're saying, you know, the stars are shining. But we also know that there there are kids that are seeing this, too. And so um, even, you know, Shannon sitting in her sitting where she is, has her kid with her. (laughs) So making sure that this is, you know, to do this and uh, because this is all, um, you know, we we, we are, you know, we we we, we leave this world. We 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 make it in this world. And so everyone's being able to be seen. And and I, I just think that's so commendable, Shannon, that you're doing this. And 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 this is just this is pretty awesome to me. Oh, well, thank you. I, I tell you what, you guys hit the nail on the head, though. It is my greatest hope 
that um, if for nothing else, I can just give her something and she can go on and, and do greater things because it'll be easier for her. It'll be easier because, you know, we all went through and, 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 and sort of chopped down some things and, and, and chopped down some trees and knocked down some walls um, and just made it a softer place for her to land. Um, I, I, I really, really pray that that's what happens for her. If for nothing else, she'll see great examples of people um, accomplishing things of all walks of life, right? And um, and she ought to be the best, most accepting, tolerant person, if, if for nothing else, lack of a better term, tolerant, mm. um, than anybody else, right? Because she mm. will see work and she'll recognize that, you know, have, actually, it won't be tolerance. It'll just be normal. I just hope to give that to her. Um, and in the meantime, in the process of doing my job, I hope I can spread a little you know, goodness and justice as we go along, right, Frank? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I know one of the things in the in the the courts because you know, you know, Shannon was elected to this position, and so mine. I work at the municipal courts part time, and I was appointed to this. And when I got there, I just started thinking, um, "Wow, this is this could be the first time. This is the first time somebody may have been in court." And just listening to the people, I was like, you really see the people and work with the people. And so um, for me, I know that justice is justice is at all levels. And so uh, hopefully the goal is to to, to continue, like you said, Shannon, to spread that justice um, and, and spread some justice in the meantime. And I don't foresee Google going nowhere in the meantime. And, and so with that being said, I foresee her being able to Google your moments in history. Over and over and over and over again and use those as a reference for when times get hard, when she's not sure what to do in life, when she's not sure how to navigate her career or college or high school or with the conversations yeah. with friends get a little hard or when she's not sure how how she can just stay whole as a person. I think she'll be able to Google you and use that as a reference of my mom was here. So that That's I can be here. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking. I got goosebumps just then. <laughs> right. I, 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 yeah. Because you just don't think about it. You think when you're in it. Again, you know, I'm just living, living my life and doing what I think is right. Um, you know, so it doesn't. You hope for the best, right? You don't know how far-reaching this is going to be. You don't know how generations from now who's going to be talking about Fran Watson. Who's going to be talking about. Uh, Shannon Baldwin, we don't know, but I hope I touch a few people. I will. Uh, huh? I will. You, you'll be talking. Listen till I go to a grave. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, good. Good. <laughs> we can all talk about each other. Right, right. But no, seriously, it it just feels uh, overwhelming to think of those things. Because um, you don't start your day off thinking that I'm, you know, I'm I'm going to change somebody's life. That's my plan. You know, I hope to. Uh, you know, and I think I reach a whole lot more people, and I'm sure you do too, Fran. When you like you said, when you get people that walk into the courtroom and they see you, they don't know what to expect. Um, and so if you could just open those doors and uh, let them know that this is a place for justice, justice may not always fall your way. That's that's not always how it works, but you can be respected um, and you can walk away a different person and feel whole. 
you don't have to be depleted when you leave. I hate being so late. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Shannon, what's one thing that you would like to share to the community um, that we don't know about Shannon, but you think we should? Uh, what have I not shared? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Um, uh, let's see. Probably that, uh, maybe a, maybe interesting or not so interesting. I don't know. Um, I grew up as an only child and in a single parent home with just me and my mom. Um, and it wasn't until probably in my, uh, college years that I meet my father and then he too became a very important part of my life. And I learned I had a younger brother and sister. I only said all that to say, uh, it's probably why, um, women are so important to me. Uh, I have friends who are like sisters and even my cousins, we are more like sisters and sister and brother as opposed to uh, cousins, probably because I grew up in the manner that I did. So I take friendship really seriously. Um, and those that are in are really, really in. And I love them all dearly. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't want to live without, you know, my closest of friends. They, they are my family. Um, and that is something our community knows about because we create family no matter where we are. Um, just because sometimes that's all we have, right? And we so true. <laughs> right, right. So we create family. That's what we do. Um, but that's who I am anyway. Um, so that's a little something. What about you, friend? What's something that we don't know about friend Watson that you think the community should know? Well, this isn't going to be as deep as uh, <laughs> Judge Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> but I was an all city band and I played the bass clarinet. I did know you played the clarinet. <laughs> I think you shared that with us somewhere else before that you were in the band and you played the clarinet. Dang it. Do I have to do another no, one? No, 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 because I'm the only person here I think knew that. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so um Judge Watson, um, what would be Judge Baldwin's legacy? That people remember. Judge Baldwin's legacy? Mm -hmm. That compassion and smarts can operate simultaneously. And that no matter who went into her courtroom, because she's going to be a judge a long time. And so no matter who went into her courtroom, when they walked out, um, they knew that they received a fair trial. They received a fair hearing. They um, knew that the next day um, they knew that they when they walked out, they knew they had a judge. Someone in the criminal court justice system cared about their well-being. And for so many people for so long, that hasn't happened. And as we know, it continues to uh, derail our community. It continues to really up in families. And when you walked into this courtroom, you knew that that was not going to be the case. You knew that there was someone that was on that bench that was thinking about the whole circumstance. So that's what people are going to remember, that um, Judge Baldwin was an admirable judge who cared about the people truly and used her position to advance justice as best as we all, as much as we all want to. All right now, Judge Baldwin, 
Yeah. What will be Judge Watson's legacy? Community activists will always have the benefit or, or reap the benefit from all of the work, the untiring work that Judge Watson has done. Um, and I don't know that anyone will ever be able to repay her for probably the sacrifices that she's made personally and professionally. Because it's not easy to get out there and speak in front of people and, and tell them that, you know, you may believe that your God is telling you, I'll step on a few toes here, that your God is telling you that any one of the LGBTQ community is not deserving of fairness and equality, but step out and tell them that they're wrong. See, that's huge. That's a mountain. You're talking to a mountain <laughs> when you do things like that. And she does it with ease, uh, or at least she makes it look easy. I am in awe of, and for sure, when they say Barbara Jordan, we will not long follow talking about Fran Watson, for sure. They are comparable, both strong women who just paved the way, put boots on the ground, and, and opened some doors for us. Just became a force. Yeah. I shaded it. Y'all better be bringing me here to get me all teary. Oh, I was going to say, y'all know I'm a crybaby in the video. <laughs> no, but that's true, Fran. It's really true. No, nah, thank we- you for that. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you. Not everybody can do what you do. I do want to bring a light to one situation before we let everybody go on with their night. So February 25th, 2017, China Doll Dupree was killed in New Orleans, Louisiana. As she exited a corner store during Mardi Gras, there was 10 shots fired and she was left between two cars at a corner store and she eventually bled out and died. The reason why I want to share that is for two reasons. The one is because we're talking about Women's History Month and trans women, as we have talked about at this this table, are a part of Women's History Month and have contributed so much to so many different communities and just not the trans community for people living in the binary and those living outside of the binary. The second reason I wanted to bring light to that situation is because China Dog death shifted something in me. And if it was not for her death, I don't think I would be here doing this interview today with Judge Watson and Judge Baldwin. It was only through her death that we birthed the Mahogany Project because we didn't want to sit around and let trans women, particularly black trans women, continue to become hashtags and not do anything about it. And so if you all would just give me one moment of just quick silence for just China Doll, I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And just remember, we're all stars and that we need to pay our light bill. The check is in the mail. Thank you. such a great episode I absolutely loved it I loved how much love everyone had for each other in the room and how supportive everyone was and how many great influential Houston women that everyone mentioned that I kind of really didn't know that much about because I don't really know that much about um, 
politics stuff. I'm a little bit ignorant when it comes to that. But I now have a lot of people to Google and it was really, really insightful. So I I even got a little teary eyed when Fran was was like, y'all are going to make me cry. And I'm just like, me too. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's Women's History Month. And that's and so they talked about in the episode some of the women that they really admire in their lives, whether if it's a politician, an activist, um, you know, any anyone that they really admire. So I just want to open the floor to y'all. Who is someone or rather who is a woman that you really, really admire or you really look up to? Um, I would have to say I have two right now, like one always, which is my mom, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, typical but seriously I've always admired her and looked up to her and I've just been like you know how does she do it between raising me also like I think Judge Baldwin was mentioning or maybe it was uh, Fran but I also was an only child with a single mom Um, she had me pretty young and you know it's always been for the most part you know her and I and and other people but for the most part us too Um, and yeah she's always been like a really pivotal part of my life and I live my life for me but in some parts of it I do live my life in a way that I hope makes her proud and I always consider like what would my mom think about like this um, decision mm-hmm. believe it or not I do consider her opinion sometimes I know I probably don't act like it but it is something that I do sometimes care about um <laughs> Uh, I pick and choose when to care about it. But I do consider her um, a very important person to me. And also another woman I admire would have to be um, Tommy Adeyemi. She wrote uh, The Children of Blood and Bone. Just because she wrote such an amazing book at such a young age and she's like killing it now. And she something that I've always wanted to do, which is write a really cool fantasy book. But like, when do I ever write anything? Why write? I write like in my journals, but when have I ever written like a story, you know, but done that and definitely admirable. And she's also um, Nigerian American or half Nigerian and then half African American like I am. I don't really know. I guess Nigerian and black. I don't really like calling myself African-American. But anyway, she's like, (laughs) she's just like me in that aspect. So it's really cool to see like a fellow black woman just killing it and, you know, writing really awesome things and making really great art. And that's something that I definitely look up to. Mm -hmm. And I think she's younger than me, which is kind of weird, but I still think she's awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. Honestly, all the Asian women that are doing stuff in film right now, isn't a lot of representation for us. I mean, there Mm -hmm. is, you know, we're bypassed as like also white off-white people so yeah there's a still a lot of work to do within that community but the director who did farewell but yeah i think that's i haven't seen the farewell yet how was it it was all right i liked the story more so i just wish aquafina wasn't the main character (laughs) (laughs) i want to watch that movie because i know it's gonna make me sob oh, yeah it'll definitely make you cry for sure yeah thanks for watching and um listening not watching fucking listening to our episode <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe someday right watching yeah well, no i do not want to be on camera ever i'm literally about to make a I, I do camera i'm gonna say this 
you know, maybe if, if I say it, it'll come into existence, someone's going to pick up our podcast and be like, wow, you're so good. And then they're going to make a documentary or something. I'm just going to speak that into existence right now. Thank you so much, y'all, for the support, whether if it's you're someone that has listened to our podcast for the first time or if you have been through us since day one, which if you're a day one, love you. Great. Um, or maybe you just, yeah, or maybe you kind of just started wa- listening to us kind of recently. Either way, we thank you so much for really listening to what we have to say and giving a shit about what we have to say. And we really do this. We keep doing this work because we do it for you. And so we want to thank y'all from the bottom of our hearts. Um, and if you haven't yet, please check us out on Facebook, which is at Veer Queer Podcasts. And we also have a Twitter, which is Veer underscore Queer HTX. And also don't forget to check out Spectrum South. You know, they have a lot of other stuff on their website. They do really great. Articles. articles have been killing it lately. Yeah, they have been. Sorry to cut you off, but I just no. have to throw that out there because I follow them on all the different platforms and I'll just yeah. see like their stuff pull up and I'm like, that is a damn good headline. I yeah. gotta click on that. <laughs> so like, please, please, if you haven't yet, not only support us, but please support Spectrum South. They are literally the reason why we can even like continue to keep going like this, right? Yeah. <clears throat> like I said, like this is just episode two of the new format so you know this is a pretty great interview so i can't wait to listen to what else is to come and so with that i am julian and i'm your worst nightmare and i'm indy (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk next time y'all bye veer queer is a spectrum south podcast hosted by julian gomez Mai Ha and Andesha Haynes with interviews by Kevin Anderson, Vernis McFarlane, DeAndre Moore, and Melanie Termina Payne. Series produced and edited by Danny Benoit. Episodes are released bi-weekly. Be sure to subscribe to Veer Queer on iTunes and Spotify. Episodes are also available at SpectrumSouth.com. Visit SpectrumSouth.com to learn more.